Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, welcome Pathway family, Westling Goddard Valley Center. Those of you who are watching online, it's great to be back. Uh, from my sabbatical, just uh, had a really uh, awesome time, restful time, lots of time with God, and lots of time, of course, to be able to spend with my uh, family. And one of the things that we were able to do as a family was to take a, a big family vacation. We took all the kids and their wives uh, to, out to California and Oregon. And, and while we were out there, one of the adventures that we were able to do was to be able to take these mini dune buggies out on the sands of the Oregon coast. And, and of course, our boys, they were super pumped about this. I mean, these dune buggies are super powerful. You can get them out on the sand dunes. They go, you know, like 60 miles an hour across the top of the sand dunes. So they're, they're super fun out there on the dunes, but at the same time, they are very dangerous. I mean, you can really get hurt out there. So there's a lot of orientation really, and guidance that goes in before they turn you loose out there on those dunes. So, for example, one of the key instructions that they gave us uh, before we went out is never go full speed over the top of a dune. You don't know how big the drop-off is. You don't know what's on the other side. So you've got to operate those vehicles really according to the guidance that's given you. Well, as you can imagine, we still have a couple boys whose brains are not fully formed yet. I won't mention in their names, Josh and Nate, but, but it didn't take very long for them to break the rules, only about 15 minutes before they ignored the rules, they ignored the guidance, and they ended up uh, flipping that dune buggy over end over end, and it ended up looking like this. <laughs> well, by God's grace, uh, they weren't hurt, and when Chris and I pulled up, they were really mad at themselves. They were mad at themselves because they ignored the guidance that had been given him, and they ended up trashing this vehicle and really missing out. I mean, missing out on this amazing adventure that they could have had that day. So I'm going to ask you today, what damage has been done in your own life because of the guidance that you ignored that was given you? Maybe it was guidance that you ignored that caused all kinds of damage maybe to your finances or the failure of your marriage, or some other relationship. Or for you, maybe it was a guidance you ignored that ended up uh, being a stumbling block and you stumbling back into addiction. You see, your life is a powerful thing, and the choices you make can make the difference between using really the power of your life to bless yourself and to bless others, or to train wreck yourself and to hurt other people. And that's really the decision that the Israelites faced back in the book of Exodus. Now, just to recap a little bit where we've been over the last several weeks, uh, by God's great power, uh, it enabled the Israelites to break out 
break out of the slavery, the, the, the bondage that they were in and this life that they were living in back in Egypt. He had provided everything that they needed uh, through the manna and the water as they journeyed through the desert. He'd given them this incredible community uh, of people that Pastor Elliot talked to about last week to face whatever challenges that they came up against. And today what we're going to look at is the guidance that God gave them before he turned them loose out on the dunes of the Sinai Desert. And the guidance that God gave them before he let them loose out on the dunes of the Sinai was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. You see, the Israelites had broke out of the bondage. They were physically free from the bondage of Egypt. But the reality was Egypt was not out of them. You see, they were still functionally behaving and trusting their, their previous ways of living. That they had been so entrenched really in, in idol worship and, and evil behavior in the land of Egypt that they hadn't learned. They really hadn't learned to be able to be the people of God and truly break free. So Moses, he, he goes up on Mount Sinai uh, to get God's Ten Commandments. But before he even gets down off that mountain... Uh, Moses can hear drums and loud music uh, playing. He can hear the Israelites down in the valley partying like it was 1999. <laughs> Probably more like 1446 B.C., but when Moses gets to the bottom of the mountain, the Israelites are out of control. I mean, he sees this golden calf, and the Israelites have constructed their worshiping, and he sees this wild, immoral party that, that's going on. So the scriptures say that when Moses came off the mountain, he, he tried to get him back in line. He burned the golden calf and he melted it down. But ultimately, because many of the Israelites continued, they continued to ignore uh, God's guidance, and they continued in idolatry, they lost their lives and they were destroyed. And the same is true for you and I. When we ignore God's guidance in our lives, we eventually experience devastating consequences for ourselves. It's interesting in the New Testament, it says in Galatians chapter 6, it says, for God's not mocked. A man sows what he reaps, what he sows. When we choose, it's not something that God's up there kind of orchestrating himself for us. We're choosing the consequences. We've, that's the way the world's ordered. That's the way the world's made. And we ignore God's guidance, we end up experiencing consequences. But the good news is really today from the book of Exodus, God's always faithful. He's in front of it already. He's trying to give us guidance so that we'll be able to have what we need. He wants to give us guidance so that we can experience what? The greatest possible life ever. So that we can go out on the dunes of life and we can have a blast. And we can not only be a blessing to ourselves, we can be what? We can accomplish his purpose in our lives and we can bless other people. And as we do that, it's awesome. So the first thing I want you to be able to take away today is God is always faithful to guide you to your best life. He's always faithful to guide you to your best life. Just like God was guiding the Israelites through the Ten Commandments to ultimately the promised land, God wants to guide you. He's trying to guide you to your best life. Now, when I say best life, it may not be what you necessarily think is your best life, but it's what it actually is. How that you can experience the best life. God knows what that is. See, so many times I think, uh, we think, when we think about God's direction in our life, like the Ten Commandments, we Think of it as something kind of negative. We see God up in heaven is 
kind of like this cosmic uh, killjoy who's really trying to ruin all of our fun. But the reality is God isn't trying to ruin our fun. He's not trying to kill our joy. What he's trying to do uh, out there on the dunes of life, he's trying to lovingly protect us. He's like a parent saying, don't touch the hot stove. You know, he's got some boundaries over here. and You can play out here and do all this, but there's a boundary. Don't touch a hot stove. Don't run out in the street. Because if you do that, you might get hurt. And what we're seeing really in the book of Exodus through the giving of the Ten Commandments is God lovingly protecting the Israelites and guiding them so that they could experience the maximum of life and accomplish this grander purpose that God has for this world. He wants them to have a blast, but he wants to be able to point them in that direction. And God does the same thing for you and I. And the primary way that God does that for you and I, kind of on a normal day-in and day-out basis, to guide us, protect us, show us the best way that we can be able to experience life, accomplish his purpose in this world, the way he directs us primarily is through what? His word. His word. Psalm 119, 105. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. So when we look to God in his word... He shows us the way that we're to go and where we should go. And when we do that, we have a blast. You know, as I was thinking about my own life and I was thinking about tension in my life, certainly, that I can just uh, viscerally remember. (laughs) And I wanted to violate God's guidance in my life more than ever. And really, that that one time that I thought about for sure was before Chris and I got married. I got to tell you, I wanted to have sex before I was married more than you'll ever know. I mean, remember, before I was a pastor, I was a man. (laughs) But at the same time, I was trying to be a Christ-following man, and I knew what was best for our relationship. And I knew the way to do the following, to do that was to be able to follow God's guidance in uh, our lives regarding sexual purity and abstaining from sex before we got married. And by by God's grace and because of a short engagement, (laughs) we were able to hold and honor those boundaries and abstain from sex before marriage. And let me tell you, in the end, what? It produced all kinds of great dividends. Dividends in our physical relationship, emotionally, spiritually. You see, God wants to give you and I an amazing kind of life, so much more than we could ever imagine. And so he's not trying to do, as we follow God, it's not that he's trying to to cut us off from anything that's fun. What he's trying to do is he's saying, hey, if you follow my way, you're going to experience the life that you want and this grand purpose, this mission that I have for my world, that's how you're going to be able to engage in it. So know today, God's good. And as you follow his guidance, you're going to bless yourself and you're going to bless other people. So what do the Ten Commandments say and what kind of direction do they really give for our lives? Well, the Ten Commandments are really, they're really all about relationships. They're really not about rules. They're about relationships. And the first four have to do with our relationship with God. And the second six have to do with our relationships with other people. So look with me at what it says, Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image and worship it. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. And remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So the first four commandments are about making God the absolute number one priority of our lives. So the second thing I want you to note today is Allow God to guide you, break free, by making him the number one priority of your life. That's what those first four commandments are all about. But what's that mean, though? I mean, how, how do we make God the number one priority of our lives? How, how, 
How do we not have any other gods before us? Well, obviously for you and I, there are all kinds, the, the, the heart is kind of like an idol factory. And there are all kinds of things in our lives that can easily become the number one priority in our life besides God. And the first thing for me that always comes to mind, I think for most of us is money. I think having money, making money, that becomes a huge priority of our lives and it can become more important than God. Another thing that I think uh, can tend to uh, push God out of that number one priority is, is relationships. Maybe it's a relationship with a guy or a girl that can become more important than God is in following what he wants for our lives. Hobbies. Hobbies can become more important than, than God. Sometimes, especially as we're kind of in the, the middle of summer, you know, it's, it's boating, it's fishing, it's, it's golfing, it's running, it's cooking, it's kids' sports, or, or even vacations can take precedence over God. Now, don't hear me in any way saying that any of those things are bad or wrong. But God has to be first. He has to be the one that gets the, the first, the best uh, of our time, our energy, and our resources. Jesus, when he was here on this earth, Jesus said it this way. He said, but seek first. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's kind of like the story that I heard of the consultant giving a, a presentation one day, and he pulled out this uh, wide mouth mason jar and he set it on the table in front of him. And he took about a dozen fist-sized rocks and he started placing them one at a time into this jar. Well, when the jar was filled to the top, no more rocks could get inside. He, he said to kind of the audience, is the jar full? Then everyone in the class said, yes. And he said, really? And he reached under the table and he, he pulled out this bucket of gravel. Then he dumped some of the gravel into the jar and he, he shook the jar, causing those pieces of gravel to kind of work themselves down into the spaces between the rocks. And then he smiled at the group again. He says, the jar full. By the time kind of the audience was kind of catching on, they said, probably not. He said, well, good. And then he reached under the table and, and he brought out a bucket of sand. He brought out that bucket of sand. He started dumping that sand in there and it went into the spaces between the rocks and the gravel. And once again, he asked, is the jar full? So the, so the audience shouted, no. And he said, good. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water from out underneath and he poured that water until it, was, it filled that whole glass up to the brim. And when he looked at the class, he asked, what's the point of this illustration? And there was one astute gentleman that kind of raised his hand and said, if you don't put in the big rocks first, you'll never get them all in. That's right. You see, unless we put the most important things in first, God and his kingdom, the other less important things in our life, they'll crowd it out. They'll crowd God out. It's not that any of those things are bad, but what happens if you don't put the big rock in first, you're going to crowd out the most important priority of life. And I'm telling you, friends, from my own journey and watching lots of other people over uh, 35 years, that that's what happens. It's not that something's bad all the time, but what happens is we think that thing in our life whether that, and they're not bad things a lot of times, it is really the thing that's going to give us life. And we all know it, don't we? If you've been a Christ follower very long, you've tried to make some other things, you pursued it, and then all of a sudden you kind of get to the end, you go, I kind of wonder what I thought it was. I'm telling you, we've got to put the big rocks in first. We've got to say, God, you, your kingdom, everything about you has got to be the first thing in our lives. And as we do that, what's happened is we start living the way we're created, and we experience life. You know, in the last couple of weeks, I reconnected with a man uh, by the name of Bill Lowe, and I met B Bill here at Pathway uh, four or five years ago in a weekend service. 
while he was at the Second Chance Sober Living House. And Bill lost everything in his life, including his wife, because of his addiction to drugs and alcohol. He found himself in jail. And he told me when he was in jail that he called out to God one day and said, God, I'll give you one chance in my life to prove that you really are who you say you are. I'll clean up my life if you'll take me in a new direction because my life's horrible. Well, Bill said he, he got out of jail, but, but in a few weeks he started using again and ultimately found himself incarcerated again. He said he actually did that a couple times until one day he, he realized God was doing his part, but he had never done his part of the bargain. So before he got out of jail the next time, he called this Christ-falling friend of his who uh, took him ultimately to the second chance sober living house. And the very next day, uh, two of the men that were living there began to walk alongside him. They began to walk alongside him. They befriended Bill. They, they invited him into their Christ-falling community. And they even went out with him the very first day that he was there to help him find a job. And when Bill was able to find a job that very first day, then he was just ecstatic. He was just so excited. He could see God was already at work doing things. Second thing amazing that happened that day was his wife, who had left him, reached out to him out of the blue, called him. And, and Bill was just blown away that why all of a sudden is she calling me? But Bill said at the same time, he was trying to make sure that, that he was going to do exactly what that God wanted him to do and follow God's guidance. So he told his wife, who was an addict as well, we can't get back together unless we both get sober. He knew that was what was going to be best for her, it was going to be best for him, best for their relationship, and ultimately he knew that that was what God's will was. And at first, you know what she said? No. I don't want to get sober. I don't want to do that. Bill had another choice to make. What was he going to do? Was he going to cave, do what he wanted to do, was he going to do what God wanted him to do? He stayed and he said, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to follow you. You know what happened? The very next day, she called him back and agreed to go to a women's sober living house. And Bill said, you know what? I put God first. I did whatever God told me to do, even though I didn't want to do it. I put God first. And today I'm sober. My wife's sober. We're back together. I have a nice house and a great job. And it's all because... I put God first. Amen? Isn't that great? It's the way it rolls. That's what happens. And you see, that's my friend in a broad sense what happens when we make God the absolute priority of our life. And what I loved about Bill and being with Bill that day was just rubbing up against him just a little bit. Because what I wanted from Bill and what I could see in his life is he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. He didn't want to do it. He hated doing it. But he did it. That's what made Bill's heart so powerful. And that's what God, when he looks down from heaven, that's what he's looking for you and I. He wants us to have a heart that makes him the absolute priority, that will do whatever he tells us to do, even when we don't want. And what happens is, when we do that, what do we do? We look at ourselves and my like, golly, I found life. God was right. That's what happens. And that's what I want to encourage you in today. Now, the next six commands that God gives in the Ten Commandments are really about our relationships with other people. Listen to what those next six commands say, beginning with verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet. 
I've got to tell you, it was a little bit funny in my head this last week when I reread that 10th commandment, you shall not covet. thought of a funny situation several years ago where I was outside and my neighbor from across the street, he walked across the lawn and he came up to me and said, you know, I know you're not supposed to covet your neighbor's wife, but your wife mows the lawn. <laughs> well, there it had it. He knew he, was, he didn't want to break the 10th commandment. So the final six commandments are about what? They're about relationships, how we treat each other, how we treat other people. So God is, God is guiding the Israelites how to treat one another and how to be a picture to the world of really what God looks like. You see, the ultimate purpose for the Israelites was to be his representatives. So, so to really be his representatives so all the world could be drawn to God and become part of his family. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus said it this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. What's that saying? Make God the absolute number one priority of your life. And then what did he say? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. He's talking about all those other commandments. They're about how we, our relationships, how we relate to other people, how we treat other people. It's all about how we treat, really, other people. And so the final takeaway I really want to give you today is allow God to guide you by putting others first. You know, our world, more than ever, needs to see what God looks like. That's what the Israelites were supposed to be doing. And the way that they were going to do this, show the world what he looks like, was by how they treated each other and how ultimately they were going to treat other people. And so really, it's about how we love them, how we put other people first. Jesus said, what? As he summed up all the commandments in the Old Testament, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, when we, uh, right now we have so many opportunities, I think about just the cultural junction that we're in to put other people first and to love our neighbors. We have an opportunity to, to treat others well who maybe are not going to vote the way we think they should vote. We have an opportunity to treat others well. We have an opportunity to treat others well who have a different religion. Maybe have a different sexual orientation. Because just because in any juncture that we find ourselves, just because we might not agree with another person doesn't mean that we shouldn't actively seek to respect, to be able to show honor, to be able to show utmost value to people. That's what love looks like. Doesn't necessarily mean agreement, but it does mean that this is how that we love other people. You know, we have so many opportunities to actively love people who other people don't love or who other people don't think deserve love. That's what our world looks, we've got so many, that's what, that's what makes, you know, that's how we're going to be able to infiltrate our world, accomplish a mission, is being able to love other people that other people don't love. You know, as I was thinking about that, I, think, I thought of a man in our church family right now, Randy Kaufman. And Randy has really stepped up to be a key leader in uh, the prison ministry that we're getting moving here at Pathway, uh, starting at the uh, Hutchinson Correctional uh, Facility. And the prisons right now, they're finally kind of reopening a little bit, allowing uh, people to come in as the COVID wave has uh, slowed. And Randy's already had some opportunities to be up there at the prison Hutch and begin to kind of break things loose. Uh, we're going to be hosting, in fact, uh, the Global Leadership Summit at the Hutchinson Correctional Facility just here in a couple weeks. And what is making Randy so effective already is two things, I believe. First, Randy is actively uh, demonstrating his love, not just with his words or his right belief, but with his actions, by making himself available. You know, when those inmates get to connect with someone who is not paid to be there, 
When they get to connect with someone that's not paid to be there, man, they feel it. They feel the tangible love of God because they know that person doesn't have to be there. Everybody else in their life, they've got to be there. But when they meet people and interact with people who don't have to be there, it communicates. It communicates love. And the second thing Randy does is he genuinely shows those inmates the love of Christ. He's gentle, he's kind, he's patient. And I, and I think those inmates that have interacted with Randy already, they, they, they feel that. He treats them in a way that he would want to be treated himself. Randy puts others first. And it, in the end, it's changing Randy as he engages in this mission. And by the power of Jesus Christ, and his word, as we're there in the middle of the Hudson Correctional Facility, it's changing them. It's changing what? The world. That's how the world gets changed. Most difficult people in society, we're having an opportunity to be able to influence, to be able to influence, to help them know Christ, to be able to go back out in the world and be able to change it. See, that's what happens. You see, God has so much good for us in this world as we turn away from what we want to do, but instead we follow his guidance for our lives. And when we do that, we get to go out on the dunes. We get to go out on the dunes and we get to have a blast. We get to have fun and we get to be able to be a part of his mission to be able to change this world. So as we begin to close today, I just want us to pray about that. I want us to pray about us following whatever God tells us to do. Whatever he tells us to do, that's the, that's the, that's the secret. Say, God, I'll follow you guys. I will do whatever you tell me to do. So I just want to ask everyone right now, just at all of our locations, those of you who are watching online, just to be able to bow your head, to be able to close your eyes with me right now. And I just want us to pray. Let's pray right now. And as we begin to pray, I want you to think about your own life today. I'm going to ask you, where in your life are you not following God's guidance? Where have you not clearly obeyed the guidance that God has given you in his word? Maybe it is something in the Ten Commandments that you haven't obeyed. Or maybe it's something else in God's word that you've ignored. Many times the guidance that we ignore from God's word is the good we ought to do, but we're not doing it. And remember, if we ignore God's guidance, it ultimately what? It leads to destruction. It hurts us. It's like us sticking our hand in a garbage disposal. So today, if you know there's something big or small where you've been ignoring God's guidance in your life, you really haven't been doing everything God's told you to do, and you want to change, and you want God's help, man, I want you to lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands right now. Tell God that you want to change. You want God's help, that you want to follow everything that he says. You will do anything. You'll do anything that God tells you to do. That's what he's asking. He's saying, you do anything? Will you do anything that he tells me to do? Raise your hand right now. Watch it online. You can type me in the chat. Praise God. Praise God. Me too. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father in heaven, I just uh, come before you with my brothers and sisters right now, and we just confess. We confess that there's things that we've ignored. We didn't want to do. We want to do our own thing. But God, we want to do your thing. We want you to be the most important priority of our lives, God. We want to do anything that you tell us to do. God, we want to be all out and all in, God. And God, we want to commit today by your grace and your power to do all that you've told us to do, to follow your guidance, God. God, to be able to love you and to be able to love other people. God, just pray that you just would uh, use us as we do that, Lord. We love you.
Now, as we continue to pray right now, I know there's others of you who may say, now, Todd, I'm really not that bad of a person. I follow the Ten Commandments. I haven't murdered anybody in the last week. You know, it's interesting in the book of James, it says, forever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And that's saying it doesn't matter if a window has 10 holes or it has one hole, it still needs to be fixed. It doesn't matter if you break one commandment or you break all 10 commandments, you still have a broken relationship. But the good news is God in his love sent Jesus to pay for all the broken windows of your lives. First Peter, it says, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. So know today, Jesus wants to bring you to God. He made a way. He made a way, so don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity right now to be able to make Jesus Christ the leader, the savior of your life. Don't miss it. He wants to be able to bring you to God. He wants you to be able to have grace and power and forgiveness. He wants you to be able to take you to the promised land. So don't miss this opportunity today. I invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know I've made mistakes. I've stumbled. I've fallen. I'm a sinner. But today, Jesus, I want you. I want you to be the leader, the savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you want me, that you died on the cross for my sins. And now use my life, Jesus, as I follow you to be able to bring your hope and your love to other people. Now, with everybody's head still bowed right now and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you asked Jesus to be the leader and the Savior of your life, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it real high. Raise it real high to say to God that you're all in so I can pray for you right now. Raise it real high. Say, God, I want to be a part of your family. God, I want, to, I want to be a part of your community to change this world. Raise your hand real high right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Praise the Lord. Father heaven, I just pray right now for my friends, my brothers and sisters who received you today as the leader, the savior of their life, God. God, I pray you pour down on them your power, your spirit, Lord, just everything they need to be able to walk in godliness, God, and be able to bless this world. Lord, we just thank you that you're good, that you're here today, and we just pray all these things right now in Jesus' name. Amen.